I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Cool Canadian History. I'm your host, David Boris. Today, Season 2, Episode 11, William K. Lore, a pioneer for Chinese Canadians in the Canadian military. William K. Lore was a second-generation Chinese Canadian who would go on to become the first Canadian of Chinese descent to serve not only in the Royal Canadian Navy, but in any Navy in the entire British Commonwealth. He served with great distinction during the Second World War and would be one of the first Allied soldiers to arrive back on Hong Kong to liberate prisoners of war. Before we continue, I want to remind you that you can always find us on Facebook and SoundCloud just by searching Cool Canadian History. You can also, of course, find us on iTunes when you search under podcasts for Cool Canadian History. And of course, you can find us at our home base at www.coolcanadianhistory.com. Now, if you go to our website at the bottom of the front page, you'll notice there is a donations tab courtesy of PayPal. Every donation is extremely helpful in allowing us to continue to bring you this podcast time and time again. So we thank you for your contributions. Now, before any story of William Lore can be told, it's important to understand the racial obstacles that were put in place even before he was born. You see, Chinese-Canadian military history is intricately entwined with the march to citizenship for all Canadians of Chinese descent. Thousands of Chinese came over to Canada in the late 19th century to help construct the Canadian Pacific Railroad, and many of those decided to stay after the project was completed. What they faced upon this decision to stay was intense racism and bigotry as white Canadians sought to expel the ones that were now in-country and prevent any more Chinese from arriving. For instance, in 1885, a federal head tax was placed on any Chinese person entering the country. This was $50, which is an incredible sum for the time. By 1903, the head tax was an astounding $500 per Chinese person entering this country. In 1917, when China entered the First World War on the side of the Entente powers, the same side, of course, that Canada was on, many Chinese Canadians felt and hoped that attitudes might relax, but in fact they didn't. After the war, attitudes towards the Chinese hardened even further. In 1923, despite several hundred Chinese Canadians serving in the Canadian military during the First World War, Canada passed the Chinese Exclusion Act. 
essentially barring any Chinese from entering the country. Forget the head tax. Now just no one from China was allowed to come over. Much of the campaign against the Chinese was led by the province of British Columbia, where the vast majority of Chinese were arriving during the late 19th and early 20th century. From its beginnings as a British colony and its early period as a Canadian province, British Columbia society has held a particularly strong anti-Asian composition. For instance, during the 1935 provincial campaign, the Liberal Party used anti-Asian sentiment to rally people against the newly formed Co-op Commonwealth Federation. The CCF is the political ancestor to the modern-day NDP. A Liberal Party radio broadcast read this, and I quote, Look behind the solicitor for a CCF candidate, and you will see an Oriental leering over his shoulder with an eye on you and your daughter. End quote. Until 1949, Chinese in Canada were excluded from voting, both provincially and federally. By being denied the franchise, they were also denied from certain professions that required someone to be a quote-unquote citizen of Canada, so lawyers, pharmacists, etc. Now, despite all this serious resistance to Chinese immigration, something like 35,000 Chinese Canadians lived in this country on the eve of the Second World War. Thus it was that William Lohr's family and William himself faced serious racial prejudice in trying to make a life for themselves in Canada. Now, William himself was born to first-generation Chinese-Canadian parents in Victoria, British Columbia, on February 28, 1909. He was the first of his family to be born in this country. He was a hard-working and very intelligent young man who was able to get accepted into McGill University to study engineering. Even getting into Montreal's McGill University as a non-white Canadian was a testament to his hard work, intelligence, and perseverance. However, William's acceptance into McGill was a short-lived victory, as 1929 saw the Depression rock Canada. William had to return home to help support his family. While doing so, he worked for a local Chinese newspaper, and his hard work and tenacity gained him professional respect within both the Chinese and white Canadian community. And in 1939, he became the first Chinese Canadian to enter the Canadian Civil Service. He became a wireless operator for the Department of Transport. It is probably no surprise that when the Second World War erupted, William was eager to do his bit for his country. Now, three times he applied to the Royal Canadian Navy and three times he was rejected, simply on the grounds of his race. However, his tenacity would pay off. In March 1943, the Royal Canadian Navy policy towards Chinese Canadians changed, frankly at the behest of Vice Admiral Percy Nels, who was a personal supporter of William Lohr. With this policy change, William was finally accepted into the Royal Canadian Navy, and thus became the first Canadian of Chinese descent to serve in our naval institution. When William graduated from officer's training course in June of 1943 at the rank of sub-lieutenant, he was the first officer of Chinese descent to serve in any navy within the entire British Commonwealth. Now, William's wartime service was quite varied. He first served in Ottawa at the Operational Intelligence Centre at Naval Service Headquarters. He then was shipped to London, England to work with the Combined Services Radio Intel Unit. This was an intelligence-gathering unit that had personnel from all of the Allied countries working together. His good work in London was recognized, and he was transferred, actually, to the Royal Navy. 
He, in fact, was sent to Ceylon, which is now Sri Lanka, where he worked in a very top-secret jungle camp. Here he actually worked for the Southeast Asia Command under Admiral Lord Louis Mountbatten, the same Mountbatten who crafted the disastrous Dieppe raid. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, William helped prepare and draft plans for the sea and air attack on Japanese-occupied territory throughout Southeast Asia. Now, when the war in Europe ended on the 7th of May, 1945, there was still much work to be done in the Pacific. William thus continued with the Royal Navy, this time attached to the British Pacific Fleet. The British Pacific Fleet was formed in late 1944 to help the Americans in their Pacific fight against the Japanese. It was, in fact, one of the largest fleets ever assembled by the British Navy. It had ships and personnel from all over the Commonwealth, including Canadian ships, too. Now, William's value as an intelligence operator, as well as his linguistic skills, were further recognized when he was transferred to the U.S. Navy's 7th Fleet under the command of Douglas MacArthur. When Japan surrendered in August of 1945, William was with MacArthur's fleet that sailed into Hong Kong Harbor. Hong Kong, you see, had been occupied since December of 1941, something you can actually learn about in our last episode, episode 10, The Fall of Hong Kong. William was ordered to lead a detachment of Marines ashore to take control of one of the waterfront bases now abandoned by the Japanese. When he walked onto shore, he became the first officer to step onto the territory of liberated Hong Kong. William would continue leading men in the wake of the Japanese surrender. On August 30th, he and his troops entered a POW camp, a prisoner of war camp, at Sham Hui Po. Canadians, British, and Hong Kong prisoners had been held here under atrocious conditions since 1941. William actually tells the story, saying that he approached the camp and ordered the Japanese guards to lower their weapons and open the gates. At first, the guards laughed, but William engaged them in very heated discussion, and after a few minutes, the gates were unlocked, and William became one of the first Allied soldiers to liberate a Japanese POW camp. In an interview years later, William recalled, and I quote, I went into the first building I came to, and it was very dark. There were about 40 men in there, Canadians, sitting at tables and so forth. I said, hi, you guys. Do you want to see a Canadian? Then they ran forward and saw my cap badge. Those men were really skeletons. You could see their bones through their skin. Then they were crying and weren't ashamed of crying, and I finally cried too because they were telling me what they had suffered, end quote. William was present at the official handover of Hong Kong from the defeated Japanese to the British on September 16, 1945. He was then given back to the Royal Navy, where he stayed on loan to them until November of 1946, when he returned to the Royal Canadian Navy, eventually being promoted to the rank of Lieutenant Commander. William would retire from the RCN in 1948. Now, once out of the service, William would finally get to go back to university, this time earning a law degree from none other than Oxford University. 
After earning his law degree, William decided not to set up shop in his hometown of Victoria, but to try his luck in none other than Hong Kong. He thus went on to have a successful law career in the colony he helped liberate, and he would die there in September of 2012, at the ripe old age of 103 years old. William Lore was truly a wartime hero, but even more importantly, he was a pioneer for the Chinese-Canadian community and someone who helped shatter racial barriers that had existed for far too long. A reminder, you can find us on iTunes, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on SoundCloud, and you can find us at our website, www.coolcanadianhistory.com, and of course you can find me on Twitter, at DocBoris, that's at D-O-C-B-O-R-Y-S. I want to thank you for listening. For Cool Canadian History, I'm David Boris. Take care.